0: Welcome to the Gate Crashers podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your ivory tower representative, Amanda Ledeke, literary agent and vice president at McGregor and Ledeke.
1: And I'm your self-publishing insider, Carice Crow, novelist and speaker.
0: So Carice, you and I have had somewhat of a back and forth in the past over whether or not Self publishing is truly disrupting the publishing industry. Like I feel, yes, self published folks are very, oh, we're rebellion. They're we're they don't know what to do with us. And I'm like, well, we don't spend any time talking about you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the tradition, <laughs> the traditional market does not care. We feel, <laughs> yeah, we feel there's room at the table for everyone, and so that's been kind of our stances up to this point. And then something happened that I do feel is absolutely disruptive and will create waves within traditional book publishing. And that is Brandon Sanderson's crazy Kickstarter thing.
1: Most successful Kickstarter of all time, which is crazy that it's for books, you know? Yes. And... I've seen posts by him where he's saying, you know, he's just blown away by this. And there have been other Kickstarters for video games and technology and like new things, you know what I mean? As opposed to books.
0: Yeah. For anyone not in the know, Kickstarter is a platform where creators or inventors can get money from regular people to back their projects. And in, in exchange, you usually offer some rewards and incentives like, hey, if you give this much money, I'll send you this product or these tchotchkes, these incentives. So Brandon Sanderson is doing that. He's releasing four secret novels, he calls them, plus like a slew of other stuff, depending on how much you're willing to pay. And he, so as of today, we today is March 5th, so we are recording uh, Saturday, March 5th, and he launched... His campaign, I want to say four days ago, and it is already at $23 million pledged with 97,000 backers and some change for both of those yeah. <laughs> details. So he's got almost 100,000 people paying him millions and millions of dollars for books, for the things that he does on a, on a daily
1: It was crazy. Like within the first 24 hours of when the Kickstarter went live, I did the math on, um, you know, okay, so this is how much money has been raised. And then, but how many people backed it? You know, just to get an idea of what the average was that someone was willing to spend to participate in this project. And at that time, it was about like, $250 per person. I think it worked out to like 248. Um, and that's just yeah, that is crazy, right? Yeah.
0: It's it's absolutely crazy. And it shows the importance of creating a fan base community of some sorts. Mm -hmm. He's not your traditional like cop on Instagram and cultivate your community kind of guy, from what I know of him, but I know his fans are all like, you know, when they find someone else who loves his books, they'll talk about it. They fan over it. Like it is, Yeah, you know, it's just, he's created this community of supporters and clearly they are willing to pay for stuff from him. And it's.
1: Yeah. And these tiers are not like particularly cheap, especially by self-publishing standards. Right. I mean, in the self-pub world. It is very common for a full-length novel, just the digital copy of it to be on sale for $2.99, $4.99, you know, somewhere in that, like, essentially what you've talked about of, like, this is what you would spend on a latte at Starbucks, basically, and you're getting a whole book for it. And his first entry-level tier is just digital copies for these four secret books, And it's still 40 bucks. Yeah. So he's still holding a price point that's closer to what a traditional publisher would charge for their eBooks versus what most self-published people would charge.
0: Yeah. That is an amazing point. Like he's not cheapening his work just because Mm -mm. he's doing it on his own. He's holding to those, essentially those same price points that his publisher would have given. So here's where it really gets interesting, because we've talked in the past about Kickstarter campaigns that go crazy or authors who get um, money for from their readers to do the next book. And it seems like the publisher is missing out. And I've in the past, I've argued, well, I don't know if the publisher is missing out, because usually you only have like 500 backers or like it's not enough for, right. to be viable for a publisher. But this changes that conversation. And my husband and I were talking and like we were trying to do the math because even if so, he, his Dragonsteel Entertainment Company is one that he runs. And so it's the one behind this. So he clearly has a team working on this for him.
1: Right. I mean, I don't think Brandon Sanderson is going to be personally boxing up his own swag boxes because if he was like... Uh, if I was him and I was going to be boxing up my own swag boxes, I would be advertising that fact, like dust your your swag print box contents for fingerprints and DNA. You too can own a microscopic cellular piece of Brandon (laughs) (laughs) Sanderson. It's an extra $100.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, there are companies that. Uh, there are companies that do swag boxes and that's what they do. Right. So he probably hired it out. It can be expensive. It can be, um, in my experience, it can be, uh, you know, easily $10,000 for like 50 boxes. So it's expensive, you know, and he may have found a deal since he's going to be doing so many. Um, So that's why like, he's paying people to help him. Clearly he's paying people to do a lot of the stuff. He's not the one, you know, formatting his book interiors and uploading them to Amazon. <laughs> so he also has to figure out like how to get these downloads to his backers, which is like, is he creating his own, like, there has to be a, a third party service that he's using. So right. it's expensive to do this, but yeah, in the end, even if his expenses take away half or three quarters of his earnings, he's still coming away with a ton of money in his pocket. So, yep. and like, even if he just makes 10 million, that's 10 million for four books.
1: It's 10 million he didn't have before.
0: before. Exactly. And you cannot tell me that a publisher is going to be willing to fork up $2 million per book upfront when the backer level might be you know a hundred thousand people or you know 150. i mean i know they sell more like getting them into stores and there are definitely going to be people who aren't going to know about this kickstarter because they just aren't in the loop that way but they're still a brandon sanderson fan and so in that sense bookstores do help but still like he isn't going to come away with what i feel to be more money doing it this way than if he were to go with a massive seven-figure advance from a, t- fr- from a traditional publisher. Right. I think then the question is, who's next? Which, <laughs> uh, which author is going to do this for their career? Like, this is just yeah. the beginning. It's just gonna, I feel authors who feel they are being underpaid for what they have to offer, are going to try this model. And if I were a publisher, if I were Brandon's publisher, I would be very concerned. <laughs>
1: this is I, why I, I feel definitely want to talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's important to note like what an absolute anomaly this is. And even then that's not really the right word for it. I was watching, I think it was Shaquille O'Neal. He was doing an interview and he made this joke um, that, you know, your first million is the hardest to make. So just start with your second million. And I mean, the joke fell flat, but essentially, you know, they didn't didn't pick up on what he was saying. I think it's important to note that this isn't something that every author is capable of doing. You need to... To some degree, already be wildly successful in order to have this kind of wild success. The reason he's got you know a hundred thousand backers is because he's sold millions of books. I would assume that Sanderson sold millions at this point.
0: Each book has probably sold you know easily six figures like of copies, right? Right. Yeah. So this isn't something that can just be replicated by anyone, but it shows when you've had success that you do have power to take that to the next level and to go a different direction. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a big checkmate to his publisher and what is, what is his publisher going to do next? And I don't know what went into this. Like maybe he tried to get a big advance and they didn't want to offer him one. Like, it's hard to know the, the, discussions and and events that led to him making this decision to do it this way so maybe the publisher right. already shot themselves in the foot by refusing to pay him more but like what is their next move are they going to try to get like at least one book from him? like I could see them trying to get like well can we just have like one book out of your next five or something like that to just try to like you know maintain some kind of publishing present in presence in the bookstores and at that point he has nothing to lose by giving it to them either because he's like well if it gets me bookstore presents and if I can advertise these other books in the back of that book like right he like holds all of the cards at this point and it'll yeah. be so interesting to see what he does going forward
1: yeah one of the things that's that this whole project has surprised me with is I would think, that he would have some sort of contractual non-compete agreement with his publisher. Um, and certainly that they would get, you know, right of first refusal, which I, I guess is possible that maybe like, you know, they did, they looked at the books and said, no, I, but I mean, I don't think they would say no, no. as much as
0: they made an offer and just, he said, no.
1: Yeah, that's what exactly. Happened. Yeah. But three of these books are in an established universe that he has. And so I was talking with this, about this with another writer yesterday Um, and they were pointing out, you know, does the publisher, you know, the publisher owns those titles. Do they own the universe that the books are written in? I don't know.
0: Right. That is like a contract thing. And his agent yeah. most likely negotiated that in the contract that Brandon mm-hmm. retained the rights to the universe. I've done that for authors in the past where just made it very clear. The author owns this universe and like, this is theirs. This isn't yours publisher. Right. Um And not every publisher is willing to agree to that, but obviously it seems like Brandon's did. And so he is able to take that kind of continue that universe into in this other th- venture he's doing
1: right and that's really smart language to have you know in your contract not just because you know so that you can make probably going to be 30 million dollars by the end of this kickstarter um but if you're signing with a traditional publisher Mm -hmm. if they did own the rights to your story world universe you couldn't publish anything on your own not right like promotional materials, not free giveaways. Like they would would all have to go to them.
0: Right. So this is like just another reason why contract review is so important and negotiating your contract knowledgeably is so important. So it's mm-hmm. a good plug for agents because it seems like Brandon's agent set him up for success, for him to be able to do this. Right. Um, and, you know, the agent, who knows what they're, they're they've got to still be, getting something. I was looking on uh publisher's marketplace and he's still selling foreign rights like crazy. He may, you know, so the agent may still be able to do that, like take these books and put them into translated, you know, languages. And, right. um, so there's still the opportunity there. Um, but the fact of the matter, I mean, the agent too, has made a pile of money on Brandon at this point. So it's kind right. of like the agent was hopefully the agent, if they're not going to make as much going forward, they're just happy that they've got those uh, books with publishers that continue to sell and continue to send royalty checks <laughs> to, to the agent. Yes. <laughs> uh, just in having this conversation when I first logged on to do this talk, uh, the number of backers was at 97,700-ish. And we are currently approaching 97,900, so I want to say 150 to 200 backers have backed the project just within the past 15 minutes, which is insane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can watch the numbers go up as you stare at the Kickstarter page. So. All of this to say, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens next. Who else is going to try this model? What successful authors are gonna break off from their publishers and do it on their own? Is Brandon gonna do this again? He may go through this process and then come out feeling, I hated that. I hated doing swag boxes and all of the things. Or he may say, you know what? That was a lot of work, but it was worth the money. So (laughs) we'll see. We will see how it shakes out. um, And man, to me, this is the disruption in publishing that could change things going forward, especially for those big bestseller authors. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Gatecrashers podcast. If you found value in this episode or in any of the episodes we've done, you can drop a tip in our tip jar. You can send a tip via PayPal. Simply use our link... PayPal.me slash gatecrashers, or log into PayPal and search us using our username, which is at gatecrashers. And be sure to be here next week for a brand new episode.